0: All right. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for bringing me here. Thank you for your people gathered here to fellowship together and to listen to the preaching of your word. pray, O Lord, that you bless the preaching of your word. Uh, fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I can speak your word boldly. Give me utterance and open our hearts, O oh Lord, so that I will not just be hearers of your word, but also doers of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm happy to be here again. And um, thank Brother Austin for picking me up in the airport. Two hour drive very early in the morning. And a few weeks ago, Pastor McMurtry called me, or uh, I spoke with Pastor McMurtry, and uh, he asked me to preach. And I am honored to be here preaching. Uh, I just want to make that clear. Uh, Pastors do not take preaching in their pulpit lightly, because the Bible says, feed my sheep. So, uh, but the timing, too, was perfect, because if he had asked a week before uh, I wouldn't have been available. A week after, I wouldn't have been available. So this weekend was just the perfect weekend. So it works for me. It means that it is meant to be that I'll be here again. Uh, I didn't think I'll be back so soon. <laughs> uh, so it just last year, I got ordained by Pastor McMurtry. I, I was here visiting, and uh, he came over to uh, Montgomeryville, Pennsylvania, very close to Philadelphia. I always just say Philadelphia, but uh, Montgomeryville, and uh, he ordained me there, so I thank God for that, and everything has been going well in our church. So my younger ones, uh, my older ones, I should say, my, the children, they were asking, oh, when, when are we going to come back? When are we going to come back and see our cousins? It's like, <laughs> that is the McMurtry family, because we only travel to see cousins. And uh, so, uh, um, and here, we, here I am, Pastor McMurtry called me to come preach. So let me advise you, you know, tell your children what to pray for, because I could have asked for many other things, you know, because when they pray, God listens to the prayers of children. (laughs) So I'm here with my daughter, Adana and uh, my son, Jadobi, 12 and 10, respectively, and my wife sends her regards, and also greetings from my church, Love Assembly, Baptist Church, Montgomeryville, Pennsylvania. They had no qualms with me coming here, so that's a good thing, right? In fact... I am building ammunition in order to get Pastor McMurtry to come visit us again. So with me coming here, (laughs) expect to lose him very soon again. All right, let's go into the word of God. The Bible says in Judges 16 verse 5, Judges 16 verse 5. And the Lord of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth. And by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee, every one of us, eleven hundred pieces of silver. And Delilah said said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. title of my sermon this morning is, Wherein thy great strength lieth. Wherein thy great strength lieth. So, I was a few days back, I guess, I was in a Christian bookstore, uh, um, an actual brick and mortar Christian bookstore, not just online, and I came across a comic section, yes, they have that now, a comic section for teenagers, and uh, I, it's amazing, (laughs) let's just start with that, because the world is trying to copy, sorry, the church is trying to copy the world, instead of vice versa, I mean, why do you have a comic section? Uh, they want a direct alternative to comic books so that teenagers can get engaged but that's not how we should approach worshipping God or serving God Uh, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 20 take heed to thyself that thou be not sneered by following them after that they be destroyed from before thee and that thou uh, inquire not after their god, saying, "How did these nations serve their god?" Even so will I do likewise. So God is warning not to serve Him as the world serves their god, as the world serves mammon or entice themselves or pleasure their flesh. That's not how we should pleasure God, you know. So that's a warning. Read the Bible and not comics, right? That is about the Bible. Anyway, picked my interest because I was like, "What is in this comics?" <laughs> So I opened a comic book, and I was just you know, flipping pages. My wife is passing by, and she goes, is that Samson? It's like, what gave it away? Delilah, of course, right? Everyone has a picture of Delilah in their head. And it's the same with Samson. Everyone has a picture of Samson in their head, an imagination of how Samson looks like. Uh, a muscular guy, you know, like a gym rat, an old trash, that kind of guy, right? That's how everyone pictures uh, uh, how people, or most people picture Samson, it looks like when we get to heaven, we'll be like, that's Samson right there. <laughs> yeah, hey, that guy is Samson. Hey, Samson, what's up? You know. So, that's what it looks like, but I don't believe Samson was different from most other guys. I don't believe he was different from just the other warrior, he, the, the other guy that's a warrior. Open to Genesis chapter 25, Genesis 25, verse 24. The average guy was strong due to manual labor. There were not many com- computer jobs back in those days, uh, so they couldn't just sit at the desk and just work. <laughs> so we might agree that Esau was stronger than Jacob, right? Esau was stronger than Jacob. as a man of the field, the Bible says. He was a hunter. The Bible says in verse 24 of Genesis 25, And when her days, that's rebecca her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she when she bare them, and the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebecca loved Jacob. So, just reading the story, it's very clear that Jacob was mommy's boy, right? But uh, because he stayed with mommy in the tent and all of that, but you'll be thinking he's just some weakling, some weak guy. But remember, folks, Jacob—I believe—was stronger than most guys. Now, most guys, I feel like they're macho and they're strong, because Jacob rolled a stone that guys had to, many men had to roll. When he saw his wife to be... So he rolled that stone by himself. So Jacob was no weakling. So Samson looked similar to the warriors of his time. If he was a muscular, bodybuilding kind of guy... And looked physically different from the other guys... Then there would be no question wherein his great strength lie. They will just look at him and be like... Oh wow, this guy is very strong. That's why he's doing all these things... And all these mights and all these wonders. He's doing that physically. So it would be very obvious... Also, when he lost his great strength, uh, it would have shown on his muscle mass. He would have lost muscle mass instantly, but Samson did not shrink, right? Samson just remained Samson. And when he gained his strength, it was not obvious also, because it's not like they saw him gaining strength, moving the stone around, making sports. So, it wasn't obvious. So, his physic, his, looking at him physically is not different from looking at another guy. As believers, our great strength lieth not in the physical. It's not by what we have, no matter your occupation, what you do to earn a living. What is more important is your vocation and calling in this life. Open to Psalm 18, Psalm 18 verse 32. How God has equipped us to fulfill our calling according to his purpose. This is where our great strength lieth. In Psalm 18, verse 32, Psalm 18, verse 32, the Bible says, It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. So it is God that gives us strength, right? Verse 33, He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war so that the bow of steel is broken by mine amp. So, Obviously not literal. David is in David's time. I mean, we're not like breaking bulls of steel. But he's saying it is God that gives me the strength to fulfill His will. Why was David called a king? I, picked, I called it, I, I, I've chosen a king after mine own heart. The king was to fight battles, right? And God, knew, uh, David knew that God was his strength. That God was giving him the victories, helping him to succeed in his calling. Amen. Now, verse thirty-five. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand had holden me up, and thy gentleness had made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, that my feet did not sleep. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them, neither did I turn again till they were consumed. I have wounded them, that they were not able to rise. They have fallen fallen under my feet, for thou hast girded me with strength unto the battle." Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Thou hast also given me the necks of my enemies that I, might not dis- that I might destroy them that hate me. So the question is, are you in the will of God for your life? Are you walking according to the purpose of God for your life? Are you fighting the right enemies? Are you fighting the right battles? Because you say, oh, but my, my strength is in the Lord, but I'm not winning my battles. But are you fighting the right enemies? you know we fight not against flesh and blood or are you fighting the right battles I mean you're, you're, you're fighting the political battle and you're wondering why you don't have strength and you're not succeeding instead of fighting the battles that God has called you to fight so basically you're walking in your calling Samson's vocation was to deliver Israel from the Philistines this was his calling according to God's purpose for his life his parents were not exactly told how it will happen I mean his, his parents were just told oh he's going to deliver he'll begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines so, the parents are like, okay, we'll just raise him like a normal child and just... But they saw glimpses of his strength. They saw glimpses of how he would deliver Israel when he was a child. And Samson himself knew how he would deliver Israel. He, he knew because he could, he could display those great feats of strength at will. The Bible says in Judges 13, verse 24, I'll just read there. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtal. So, at times, the Holy Spirit came upon him and moved him while he was young. So, we are part of the body of Christ. We are here to serve the Lord. And we all have functions. Well, as members of the body, we all have functions. We do have a main ministry that Jesus has handed over to us, the ministry of reconciliation. As Samson was moved early at times by the Holy Ghost, we know the areas that we are moved by in the Holy Spirit. There are areas in, in the service of God, and the body of Christ, that you just feel when you get your hands on, you just, you're just you moved by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps you. Holy Spirit helps you to succeed. You're being strengthened in that area. Now, if you say, I don't have any area like that, then maybe you need to volunteer more. Right? You need to do things, you need to do various things, helps, administrations, other ministries. See where you are moved, where you excel, where you fulfill and you meet the need of the church, of your local church. Because the body needs to be edified by every member. And no member is too little or ignored or doesn't contribute anything. Every part of the body contributes. And it's not necessarily where you are glorified, Right? So don't look for an area, oh, where the light will be upon me and I'll be glorified and everyone will clap for me. No, you just where the body needs. Amen? Now, many of us are already excelling, uh, excelling in, uh, in our calling and our purpose that God has called for our lives. So now let's look at some lessons we can learn from this story. Open to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. I have three main lessons here, wherein thy great strength lieth. Three main lessons from this, from this story of Samson. Number one, flee fornication. Flee fornication. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 15, the Bible says, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So there's a deep teaching we're seeing here. Spiritual marriage with the Lord. First you compare physical marriage, right? So one flesh when two, of, when a husband and wife comes together, they are one flesh. Now, the same spiritually. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit, right? So uh, that's why God told Adam, the day you eat of this, you shall surely die. Right? And Adam died spiritually. So, spiritually, death. No more connection with the Lord. And that's why when we are saved, you know, we have that connection again. The Spirit is regenerated. And the Holy Spirit bear witness with our spirits that we are sons of God. Right? Verse 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committed fornication sineth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. So the focus is that God wants to use our vessels. We're called for a reason. If not, after you're saved, you should just die and go to heaven. But we're called for God to use us and use us here physically. Open to Exodus 30, Exodus 30 verse 19. Your body is the temple of God. As in, God dwells in us by His Holy Spirit that He has given us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. We've been purchased by God. We do not own ourselves. And when you commit fornication, fornication is bringing uncleanness into the temple of God. It's uncleanness because we are one with the Spirit of God. And you now commit fornication, the temple, uh, you look in the Old Testament as I'm going to read, God did not want uncleanness in the temple of God. The Bible says in Exodus 30, verse 19. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their, and their feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. That is how serious it was. And it was the shadow of things to come, right? So just entering that temple, they wash. That they die not, or when they come near to the altar to minister to burn, uh, to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord, so they shall wash their hands and their feet, that they die not. That it shall be, and it shall be a statue for uh, statue forever to them, even to him and to his seed throughout their generations. So we are priests, right? We're priests. We've all been made priests. We're the priesthood of Christ, a royal priesthood. So, washing continues. Yes, God has fulfilled it. We don't have to physically wash. But talk about spiritual. Because we are one with God spiritually. Remember. So, flee fornication. So, washing continues. What, How? With the word of God. With the word of God. So, washing with the word of God. But when you are in fornication, physically, spiritually, then you are bringing uncleanness into the temple. When Balaam was asked to curse Israel, God fought for Israel. God was their strength. God defended them behind uh, behind closed doors or behind the scenes, basically. Right? Because they did not even know that they were in a battle. But God was their strength. But fornication destroyed them. Fornication. Balaam introduced fornication or told the Moabites what to do. And they brought in their women. And because of fornication, they were destroyed because uncleanness was introduced. Over to First Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So I'm talking about wherein thy great strength lieth. Your great strength lieth in God, right? And it's in the will of God for your life. So flee fornication so that you and God can walk together because of fornication, there's uncleanness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, the Bible says, For this is the will of God, that like this is what God wants, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. So fornication brings uncleanness into your temple right so uh, abstain from fornication verse 4 that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor not in the lust of concupiscence which is sexual desire even as the gentiles which know not god that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified, for God had not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who had also given unto us his Holy Spirit. Because now we are the temple of God. So, if you bring in fornication, that means you don't have sanctification. Right? That means you're not sanctified, you're not dedicated to the Lord. So, it's a transi- you see this transition from flea, fornication, or God wants our sanctification from, uh, and honor. He talks about physical fornication, then goes on to say in verse 5, he says, Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God, that no man, verse 6, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. So fornication shows that you have no law for yourself. That, 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 it's clear because you have no love for your vessel, sinning against your own body, then if you have no love for your vessel, how can you love your neighbor as you love yourself? You see that? Oh, oh, that's why no man should go beyond and defraud his own brother. But when you're in fornication, when you're, there's uncleanness in your vessel, then you cannot actually keep the laws of God. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That, love God, with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That hangs all the laws and prophets. So Jesus said. So how also can you even love your wife? (laughs) Right? Because a man, a husband is supposed to love his wife as his own body. But if you don't love your body, if you're committing fornication, that means you're destroying your own body and you don't love your body. And therefore it leads to adultery. James chapter 4 verse 4, the Bible says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the en- enemy enemy of God. So, that is joining with the world. Right? No more joining uh, in spirit, you know, breaking that relationship and joining with the world and become an enemy of, the, uh, of God. So, you can see here that fornication is more than the physical, uh, the physical aspect of it. It's more than the physicality. It starts in the heart. That's where fornication starts. The Bible says in Matthew 15, verse 19, Jesus speaking, For out of the heart... Proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. Open to Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 verse 14. And this was the main downfall of Samson. Fornication. And this can bring down any man to a piece of bread, as the Bible says. Samson could not control his vessel. He, He had the strength of God. Right? Uh, God was moving him, but he was bringing in, he, he was in fornication, his vessel, he could not control it. So therefore, he could not even love his neighbor as he loved himself. Because he didn't love himself. <laughs> so, in fact, we'll go on in the story. I'll, exp- I'll explain more. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Fornication is just—is more than the physical aspect of it. Hebrews 12 verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So follow peace and holiness, right? Without, man, without which no man shall see the Lord. In your Bible there you see a colon, so it's going to give you a list on that app. Alright, number 15, at uh, verse 15, first one. Looking diligently, lest, that's number one, any man fail of the grace of God, because you know what the grace of God teaches us, according to Titus. So lest any man fail of the grace of God, number two, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you and thereby many be defiled look at verse 16 last one there lest there be any fornicator right so what are you supposed to do follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the lord lest there be any fornicator or profane person as esau who for one muscle of meat sold his birthright for ye know how that afterward When he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. So this is a person that does not want peace. Doesn't want peace with the brethren, doesn't want peace in church, doesn't want unity, doesn't want people to grow. He's bringing in uncleanness in the temple. That's what he's doing. He's on temple, and the congregation of saints is the house of the Lord, so therefore, a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. So the the Bible says, wisdom from above is first. Pure. Then peaceable. You know, I, okay, I want peace, but there's no purity? No, then that's not the wisdom from above. It's your own wisdom. It's the wisdom of the earth. From the earth, I sensual, devilish. The wisdom from above is first uh, pure. So, fornication is uncleanness. That's, that's what it is. So, this person only cares about himself. Not following peace with all men and holiness is the spirit of a fornicator, a profane person. And that's why the Bible likened that to Esau, like a person like Esau, forsaking your calling and your purpose for the flesh. Esau was the first son; he should have gotten, you know, the calling for the seed of, uh, of for, for the seed to go through him, right? But no, Esau did not care about the things of God, right? Esau just wanted to do his own thing because he thought that's where his strength was. You know, he was excelling uh, in the, in, uh, in the flesh. And he forsook the things of God. So Esau was saved. I'm not saying he wasn't saved. Esau the person right, uh, was saved. But did not walk in the ways of God. Physical prosperity is not wherein thy great strength lieth, Because Jacob had the blessing. Fornication leads to destruction. You know I can't really see that time. So when I stop I stop. <laughs> All right. Fornication leads to destruction. It's led to... To the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says in Jude 1 verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah. And the cities about them in like manner. Giving themselves over to fornication. And going after strange flesh. are set forth for an example. Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So how did it start? Right? Fornication. They gave themselves over to fornication. And you saw the path. In Romans chapter 1 it's the same path. And what do we see in our world, right? The, the pride, you know. In Ezekiel, it talks about they had pride, fullness of bread, idleness, abundance of idleness, and that's what we see in our world. And that's why you see fornication is becoming a norm, a normal thing. This also was a picture of Samson's life. Pride, he could do anything. Just came, lifted up the gate, just went with it, <laughs> right? Oh, I, abundance of idleness. He's spending all day in a hallowed house. Like, what is he doing? (laughs) He's just himself, right? Fullness of bread. I mean, who could challenge Samson? He could do anything. Then, fornication. Fornication is not forced upon anyone. You know, you don't accidentally, you know, commit fornication. You don't trip and fall into fornication, right? Something you think about. That's why it starts in the heart. And Samson knew the information that he was going to give would be used against him. He knew that. Because from the beginning, his wife, he should have learnt his lesson from the betrayal of his wife, uh, whom he married, when he when she told her people about the riddle. It's like, oh wow, you got that from my wife. Then, how many chances did he get with Delilah? I mean, as you're reading, you're like, dude, <laughs> what do you expect will happen? <laughs> what do you think she was going to do? Oh, now you've told me uh, that's it. Like, that's what it is with fornication. What do you expect will happen? Destruction. That's what is going to happen. But you're full of yourself. You think you got it all. You think you know it all. But, you know, you step into fornication. So, the Bible says in Hosea 13 verse 9, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thy help. So, we destroy ourselves. By bringing in fornication, instead of fleeing from fornication. It's not about Samson praying every day, Oh God, please stop letting Delilah ask me this question. It's for him to flee. It's for him to run. So, we destroy ourselves when we willfully live in sin. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3, But fornication and all uncleanness, See how they, those two are put together? Fornication, uncleanness, God wants our sanctification and holiness. But fornication and all uncleanness, or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Alright, let's look at point number two. Realize the true source of your strength. Open to Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter four, second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven. Wherein thy great strength lieth. Number one, flee fornication flee fornication number two realize the true source of your strength retain that true source in your knowledge don't be like the fools in romans one that did not want to retain god in their knowledge so retain that in your knowledge let that be your everyday thoughts how you live your life but the realization where your true strength lies the true source of your strength so paul in his life suffered many things in the ministry right and he was able to overcome it all because he knew where his strength lies. In Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, the Bible says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. See that? So he understands that. Look at verse 8. We are troubled on every side yet not distressed we are perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken cast down but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus you see that that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body open to second corinthians 11 keep flipping go to verse chapter 11 what hardships are you suffering Right? Realize the source of your strength. Always bearing in mind what Jesus went through. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Always bearing that in mind. You say, "Oh, I'm suffering this, I'm suffering that. But you cannot be destroyed. You're just going through it. If you know where your strength lies. Second Corinthians chapter 11, look at verse 23. Paul goes on. Are they, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. In night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and darkness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches. I mean, Paul went through it all, <laughs> physically, spiritually, but he knew where his strength lied. And that's why he said in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Because it's not, he, not my strength. It's not my eloquence. It's not you know, my power. It is Christ that strengthens me. So the Holy Spirit is wherein thy great strength lieth. Zerubbabel was told, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You're not going to do this. You're not going to build this temple. You're not going to build back Jerusalem, the walls and all of that, by your own might. Yes, the kings are against you. Everyone is against you. But it's by my spirit. So, following the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. The Bible says, For God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, that is the spirit that we have. And we're not quenching the spirit and walking according to the will of God. With that knowledge, then we are relying on our true strength and realizing our true strength. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. So, w- w- you have the Holy Ghost, you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're filled with the Word of God, then you have power. That is where your true strength lies. Not your wits, as I said. Not your eloquence, your speech, you know, your economic status. Understand this. God will give you those locks of hair. You know, what I mean by the locks of hair the the talent that you have that you can use to serve God or mammon. We all have our own different kinds of locks of hairs, right? As Samson had his locks of hair. The question is, are you going to point to your hair as the source of your strength, like Samson did? Oh, it's because, you know, I, I went to college, or it's because I, you know, I have this, or my parents were this, or, or it's because I have this talent. I just know how to you know, deal with numbers. That's why I'm a financial expert or something. You know, You you have your locks of hair, but is that what you're pointing as your strength? You know, are you spending your time taking care of your hair like Absalom? Because that hair at the end caused his death. You know, you just, you know, keep you roll it up, it's all long, you just keep combing it, washing it, you know, your locks of hair. Or, are you like Mary that used her hair to wash the feet of Jesus? The same hair that was probably giving her customers. She used it to, because the glory of a woman, she used it to wash the feet of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is our comforter to fortify and strengthen us using the Word of God. In Psalm 119, verse 28, the Bible says, My soul melted for heaviness. Strengthen thou me. How? According to thy word. The Holy Spirit teaches us to remind us of the Word of God. Open to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Another interesting thing about Samson was that he was unlike the case of Daniel, or the story of Daniel. Uh, Look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Verse 3, the Bible says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel, concerning the kingdom, but they could not, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So you look at Daniel, it is very obvious wherein his great strength lieth. It was in his God through prayer. They looked at him, they tried every other thing. Oh, yeah, this guy. The only way we can get this guy is when we, if we get him against the law of his God. So, the problem was that they underestimated Daniel and his God, right? What was their plan? Let's cause Daniel to be cut off from his God by not praying. And if he still doesn't want to be cut off, then we'll kill him through hungry lions. It was a very good plan. I mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah, give them credit. But it didn't work out because they underestimated Daniel and his God. Daniel was still going to pray. I mean, he opened the windows. (laughs) He's like, as he normally did, he wasn't showing off. As he normally did, he opened the windows. So, but Samson did not exactly have devotions with Delilah every morning, right? So, it's not easy to tell where his strength lies. I mean, Samson was just doing anything he wanted to do. So, he's like, where where is this guy's strength? How can we get this guy? (laughs) Right? It's not, oh, let's poison his food. or like, Like, Samson's just strong. We've tried everything. We've gotten his people to turn against him. Right? But he still succeeded. Like, what can we do to get Samson? So the Philistines did not go, know how to go about destroying Samson. And Samson himself, I want to tell you, knew where his strength lies. But he did not realize, he, it was not really in his heart, but he knew in dire times and dire situations, he knows where to call, what to call on for his strength. The Bible says in Judges 15, a chapter uh, back, verse 18, after he had dis- uh, fought the whole army and he was tired, the Bible says... And he was so athirst, and called on the Lord, and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servants, and now shall I die for thirst, and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? So Samson knew that it was God. (laughs) Right? You have given me this great deliverance, and now I'm going to die after using me, so now I'm just going to die. You know, then God helped him, right? So, but his heart did not reflect it. You know, close to God with your lips, but your heart is far away from God. So his heart did not reflect it because he told Delilah all his heart. Do you see that? Delilah pressed him, he was vexed to death, his soul was vexed to death. And the Bible says, and he told Delilah all his heart. And he did not mention God. Oh, it's just my hair. You know, this my hair so nice. No razors come on it before. I take good care of it. Don't you see how I take care of it? You know? So he told but that was all his heart, because he was pointing to himself. He did not realize where his great strength lies. When you do not acknowledge the true source of your strength, you expose yourself to the attacks of the enemy. That's what you're doing. You're not giving the glory, the praise, or the credit to God, and you're relying on your own ways. The Bible says in Proverbs sixteen seven, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So, but when your ways don't please the Lord then the enemies are not at peace with you. And you're exposing yourself to attacks. Our enemy is stronger than us. But with God, we are more than conquerors. I mean, one angel can destroy a whole army. Not talk of the devil. What stopped the devil from destroying Job is that God put a hedge, a wall around Job. that devil could not touch him. So our enemy is stronger than us, but with God... We, can, we are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We are stronger. He has no authority over us. In Psalm 18 verse 29, the Bible says, For by thee I have run through a, a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a war. David knew his strength came from the Lord. He could do great things. He could destroy armies. He could go to war, fighting the wars of God. So by thee I have run through a troop, and by, by my God I have leaped over a war. It's not with your head. Not with your hair. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. As you open there, I'll read you Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15, verse 2. The Bible says, The Lord is my strength and song. He is become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. So, They are relying on God to fight the battles. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. So, how do we fight these battles? With the armor of God. The Bible tells us in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. See, not in yourself, not in your own hair, right? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Imagine Samson explaining this to Delilah. So wherein thy great strength lie? Where, where is it? You know, I have the breastplate of righteousness, <laughs> and the helmet of salvation. If you can take that from me, then... Then you can, then you you know subdue me, but no, my hair, something physical, exposing yourself to the attacks of the enemy because you are not realizing where your great strength lies. Last point I have is uh, prayer. Open to Psalm 18. Psalm 18, prayer. Wherein thy great strength lieth? Flee fornication, right? Flee fornication. Your heart is not right because fornication starts in the heart. It's not a mistake. It's not something you fall into accidentally. It shows that you don't care about yourself. You don't care about other people. You don't care about yourself. And you're bringing uncleanness into your temple, into the house of the Lord, and it only leads to destruction. Realize the true source of your strength, and then prayer. Look at Psalm 18, verse 1. The Bible says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God and my strength. In whom will I trust? My buckler... The horn and the horn of my salvation and my high tower, I mean, what else I mean the Lord is, is his whole chessboard right here, like he's everything. I, God is just protecting him all around. He's saying, God, you're just my strength, you're everything to me. Then what does he say? Verse three, I will call upon the Lord, prayer, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, remember is my strength and my song, so shall I be saved from my enemies, the sorrows of death compass me. And the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I, will, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple and my cry came before him even into his ears. So he heard my voice. So you're praying. Remember all these, they go hand in hand. He heard my voice out of his temple. Now, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and pray and ask for me, like call upon me, I will forgive them and heal their land. So, you have to humble yourself. You have to make sure the temple is clean. You have to come with purity first. But if there's uncleanness, then the prayer is not going to work because God is hearing from the temple. And he will come with destruction. He will be the destruction because he's all you are. He's, He's all your strength, I should say. So, Samson prayed. Samson prayed. I already showed you in chapter 15, when he prayed, and God, give me strength, so I don't, uh, you know, help me, so I don't die, after you finish using me. So, he prayed. And later on too, he prayed in this chapter, chapter 16. So, when all hope was lost, he still prayed. His prayer, although, was still about himself. (laughs) He was saying, let me avenge them for my eyes. Right? He wasn't even thinking about his calling. Right? Samson was just consistent to the end, I guess. So he was praying to God, oh, avenge me for them putting on my eyes. But God used it for the liberation of Israel from the Philistines. And Samson, obviously, liberated Samson because there are some things that are worse than death. And that's what the, that's what the enemy put him through. God shut out his eyes and just made him suffer. I'm sure he was, he was just wishing for death. Now, God knows the end from the beginning. Just as God formed Jeremiah and knew that Jeremiah would be a prophet unto the nations, He told Jeremiah, This is what I formed you for. I know that this is what you're going to do. He knew the choices that Samson will make. And therefore, He said, Samson would be for, uh, to deliver Israel, to will begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. He knew that Samson, uh, Samson would make this choice to kill himself and deliver Israel. So, when David was down in his sin, he prayed also. Look at Psalm 51, Psalm 51 verse 10, Psalm 51 verse 10. After committing uh, adultery and murder, which are worthy of death, both of them, uh, he was in distress, he still called upon the Lord, because he knew where his strength lay. He was relying on his flesh that time, on his own wisdom, and he went back to his strength. And the Bible says, create in me, Psalm 51 verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from Thy presence, and take not Thy holy Spirit from me. Look at this, verse twelve. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, and uphold me with Thy free Spirit. Why is He saying restore unto me the joy of my salvation? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. He was weak at this point. He was just completely weak. I don't, have, I can't do anything. I can't walk in the will of God for me anymore. I can't do. I can't step out as a king and come out and go in, right? I can't do that. So, I need my strength back. I need, I need to be in your goodwill, in your favor. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. So, when you have that joy, then you have that strength, no matter what is going on around you. Prayer is the key to accessing that great strength. Because wherein thy great strength lieth is it, in the Lord. As God commanded Joshua to be strong and courageous after taking over from Moses. The same commandment we have from the Lord. That we should be strong and courageous. Open to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 29. We too have a ministry handed over to us from, uh, from Jesus. Ministry of reconciliation. So God has given us work to do. Just as Joshua was given work to do. Now we cannot rely on ourselves. We cannot rely on our own strength. We will burn out and we will faint. If you rely on yourself, you burn out and faint. So God told Joshua, Be strong and be courageous. Meditate on the word of God, study the word of God every day, day and night in fact. The Bible says in Isaiah 40 verse 29, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint faint, and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint." In Mark chapter 3 verse 27, the Bible says, No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. Samson pretty much gave them the ropes to bind him. And they just spoiled his house. They took everything. They took out his eyes. I mean, that is the wiles of the devil, the trickery of the devil. And Samson fell for it. Because of, he missed all the steps. Samson... Did not know that he even lost his strength. That's what the devil does. Because the Bible says he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake himself and shake myself and he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. You're relying on your hair. You you don't realize where your strength is and you lose your strength and you don't know and you're still just walking up and down daily and the enemy can come at any time. Because you don't know where your great strength lies. And this happens when there is fornication. When there is uncleanness. It starts in your heart. When a man looks at a woman and lost after her, he has committed adultery with her in his heart. So, so it starts with your heart. Right? Then, um, failing to realize the source of your strength and seizing in prayer. You are no more calling on the Lord in distress. You see, the Lord is everything. You, ha- you have no peace on that board. God is his battle, if you are fighting the Lord's battle, and the Lord will fight his battles. So, you will find yourself asleep Without the Lord and in utter darkness, robbed blind, no pun intended, by the devil. just spoil you completely. And that's what happened to Samson. According to Daniel chapter 11 verse 33, the Bible says, But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. At the end, Samson prayed for strength, despite his hair was already grown. Because he eventually found out his God. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you, O oh Lord, for your word. Thank you for teaching us and showing us that in you is where our great strength lies. I pray, O oh Lord, for cleanness. I pray, O oh Lord, for holiness. Realize, Help us to realize that you are our strength. Help us not to be selfish. Let us not just think of ourselves. But let us walk together as, as, as members in your body so that we can please you, so that we can grow in you. Continue to bless us and continue to keep us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.